Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders and Melisanda for The Accidental Alien. And I'm Keith. I write the comic Kadoja, in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on my blog, Probing the Depths. And I also now have a couple reviews up at iHorror.com. How was, uh, how was your week, dude? What'd you, what'd you get up to? Uh, my week was good. My week was good. Um, I actually made a couple notes just to make sure I didn't screw up. It was, um, it was interesting. So uh, this was one of those like varied weeks where I didn't have one particular thing I was doing. But I, I have three things that I that I wrote down here. Um, so thing number one is that I think I mentioned this at the end of last podcast, and I believe I've punched through it. Um, so I'll share. I, I had an issue in my head with animals. Um, so to ref- to refresh. The situation a little bit on animals. I had mentioned that it's a story in 10 chapters and that I had some um, art, some painted art from a guy named Ed for about the first six, six and a half. And then I am looking to kind of recreate some of that look with a photorealistic effect that's kind of a painted effect for me. Um, and I'm going to do the backgrounds. And I got my buddy Albert um, doing drawings on top of it to try to kind of have that drawing over photorealistic thing going on. And uh, I had painted myself into a corner. And the problem is that the final few chapters all happen very close together. They're all basically kind of consecutive. And they all happen at night, right? And so what I had done is, uh, I think I mentioned I went to Encinitas a couple weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I took some photos there that are actually going to end up being in the book. Um, I'm going to use them as interiors for like this house that's that's a setting in in the book. And uh, and then I went outside and took some photos. And but when I started to play with them, the problem is it's night and it's dark and the colors are boring. Right. It's just blacks and grays. And so the conundrum that I was trying to punch through is how the hell do I add color when shit is dark? You know, and um, and so, I mean, I'll, I'll share the solution a little bit in that um, the first thing is that I think what I'm going to do is for anything outdoors, I'm going to kind of create a uh, one of those bright night sky type backgrounds and use a lot of those and kind of hunt for them and kind of give them a painted effect mm-hmm. with the whole like bright blues and bright purples among a night sky. Okay. Right. So I might so sil- animals is a full color book. Animals is a full color book. Okay, I'm so used to you doing black and white for for whatever reason. Like it's I just do, in my brain. I was already I do love thinking. me some black and white. Yes, yes. Yeah, but you're like that's what you don't do all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so Kadoja is yeah, Kadoja's black and white, but three protectors is color, and um, and animals is color. Oh, so okay. uh, it's 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 going to be a yeah, it's going to be a good time. So I think I'll do some of that, and then um, I also. I also figured out a lot of the like the end plot. I kind of had some loose plot, but I think I'm also going to create kind of a, a hallucinogenic effect for the end, and that'll allow me to get really weird with colors, right? So those are going to be my two ways of kind of getting through that mm-hmm. and having shit happen at night, but also um, allow myself the use of a ton of color and a, and a just a bright color palette. And so I, w- I was happy about that. You know, it's um, you know we 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 talked about this before. To me. So much of, you know, at least, at least six, if if you measured all of the time that I spend quote unquote writing, 60% of it is probably thinking, 
You know what I mean? Like the actual sit down at, and and I, I've mentioned this before that I, I feel like that's different between writers and artists, you know, like most of your time is doing tactile things that lead to something, right? Mm-hmm. You are, you are drawing, you are penciling, you are inking, you are coloring, you are, you know, you're doing all these things that require like use of your hands and that, and that you can see after an hour's work, what you've done, right? A ton of my shit in terms of writing is I sit around thinking or I go on a walk and I just try to punch through an issue, you know, and it's like so much of it is this formative kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it hits you. I was like folding laundry and it hit me and I was like, wait a minute, that's totally going to work, yeah. you know? So, um, so anyway, I was, I was pretty happy about that. I was happy about that. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Um, I'll be in the shower or cleaning or something like that. And, you know, I don't do the primary writing or anything like, like that in, in my books, but it's really cool to think of a scenario or a scene and just out of nowhere. Like it just come to you at the oddest times. And so I have a, a little notes, you know, in my notes app. Um, I have I have one note and it's just random thoughts and random ideas that I've had. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're great to put into use and, uh, you know, create short stories or save for later on. Yep. And another quick fun note, too. There's a great app out there called Evernote. And I believe um, even at a free version of it, you can do a whole lot with it. And it is perfect for this kind of stuff, right? It's, it's, a, little, it's, it's a little stronger than the in-house notes app that's going to come with people's phones. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things is that you can cut and paste entire newspaper articles with photographs in it. And you just save it and you're good to go. So again, if anybody out there is interested, uh, you writers out there, you creatives or anybody that just loves a good note app, um, Evernote is pretty good. And uh, I, I didn't get paid to say that. So, um, <laughs> but we should. So let's see. Um, we should. God damn it! Exactly. Exactly. We'll put a link and push through and get one cent out of every purchase or something like that. This episode um, is sponsored to you by and, Evernote. Pending. <laughs> if they <laughs> if they pay me and only if they pay me <laughs> is potentially <laughs> sponsored by. <laughs> Tons of potential just, out there. Hey man. You, Let's not sleep on the agave mente and the Kirkland White Claw, huh? Listen up, <laughs> listen up, people. We're, this is not this is not paid advertisement, um, but it could be. Hey, uh, anyway. Um, so the second thing is that I actually I'm so now switching gears back to the uh, novel that I'm working on. I got some notes back, and uh, and those notes made me um, get that much more eager to kind of attack the the fourth draft of the book, right? So what I had done is I had put it out to five readers and, uh, and I've gotten notes back from two of them now. And so it's interesting to, um, to just kind of digest those. I'm still not acting on them because what I've, but what I've done is I'm now eager enough to get back and do some things, even though I have, so I have three people's notes still outstanding, but the thing is these notes on some level have resonated with thoughts that I have had in my time away from the book. Mm -hmm. And so it's the kind of thing where no matter what comes back in terms of these other three people's notes, I'm probably going to do this anyway, this thing. So um, I might as well just get started on it. But, uh, I know but exact, first up yep. is I know for that me exact to, thought. Like yeah, I, but, I, I feel like that when um, I'll run cover layouts by people or just certain ideas and um, you know, the accidental aliens, it's just a, a hive of artists and creators. And so I'll kind of throw an idea out there, maybe a couple of cover layouts or panel layouts and I'll, I'll say, what do you guys think? And I'm already thinking a certain way and um, it'll mm-hmm. just take one of them to really just, you know, 
Um, and then give a note. Like, usually they won't just pick A or B. They'll let you know why they picked it. And um, usually yes. their note is what exactly I was thinking. So, yeah. Same, yeah. same, same. Yeah, and I mean, and it shows... Ac- and, and that's always, you know, that to me, that's part of a nice self-analysis, right? Because if you have these thoughts in advance of people getting them and then they are getting them, that is telling you that your instincts are getting stronger, right? Which I really like, you know, or, and again, in, in some cases, the notes had sort like they weren't necessarily about the thing I intend to fix, but my fix will address it in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so again, it, it just kind of works in all ways there. And so, um, so anyway, next up though, is for me to, I'm not going to, attack the novel again until I am completely done with the script on animals. So um, you can expect some updates around my progress on the script in the coming weeks because no novel until animals is done, at least in terms of how far I can push it before I kind of outsource it and, and, uh, and maybe get Mike's input and see what he thinks. One other thing that's pretty quick, which is I actually got a mock-up from Lance Pilgrim, um, AKA uh, he, he goes by the, the Elroy, Jenkins. But Lance is the guy who's done the covers. He did the covers to the first uh, nine Kadojas. And he's been, you know, in the background doing all kinds of Kadoja work. He's been the editor of the book for the first two arcs. And now he is, you know, for the third arc, the point was he had he had told me uh, well in advance that he wanted to step away and and just focus on other projects, but that he would always be here in the background. And so the third arc of Kadoja has been a lot of me just kind of, you know, taking over all these processes, but always having him there as a sounding board. But in the meantime, he's gone out and done some um, some really killer art, and he's branching out into some super creative avenues. And so he had uh, he and I had talked about the prospect of him doing a alternate cover um, for the upcoming Kadoja trade um, as a Kickstarter. And what we're thinking we're going to do, I feel like I may have mentioned this before, but that we're going to do, let's just call it like a gallery edition cover. And we're probably going to do a souped up edition of the trade with a rather rare cover that Lance does. Um, we're not sure what we're going to limit it to, but it's going to be limited to a pretty small amount of copies. Oh, nice. And so I was happy to see that I got the first um, thumbnails of the layout of the cover. You know what I mean? So Lance Lance uh, kind of gave me the layout of the cover, and it was all shaded in, in one color, just to give me an idea of the, the base pictures he's going to use. And then he's going to give it the Lance treatment. So anybody who wants to check out some of the stuff that Lance is doing, go to the Elroy Jenkins, all one word on Instagram, no underscores or anything. You will see some crazy excursions in color, in animation, um, in all kinds of stuff there, man. It is absolutely killer. And that's what you can expect on the order of for this gallery edition Kadoja cover. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to do something similar with um, the second shift uh, hardcover. I want to do, I will more than likely do a um, dust jacket. And there'll be like a Kickstarter exclusive dust jacket. And because uh, if I want, if I do a hard cover, I won't be able to do alternate covers, right? Like I'm sure yeah, th- that sure. would cost an insane amount of money. <laughs> so, and I'm gonna go for I'm aiming at the bare minimum here. Just as an indie creator, it's like all right, let's you know get what you can done uh, get done with the amount that you have. And so if that's just yeah. an exclusive dust jacket, but like I'll I'll jazz it up or whatever. But uh, yeah, like 
that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, so that was uh, that was my week. Just you know, a bunch of kind of things all here and there. But uh, how about you, man? What was your week like? Yeah, man. That sounds like a great week. That sounds like you've uh, been keeping busy. Um, you know, with a bunch of your projects, and and that's great. Lots of iron irons in the fires. And uh, hop, yes. hopping back to your script and how you got some one feedback in particular that you're going to roll with and, you know, me reaching out to my artists and asking them their opinion. And it's something I read recently. Our buddy uh, Gary Hodges, he's getting uh, two shout outs two weeks in a row here. He had posted something on his Instagram stories and it was by Magarcias uh, Comics. M-A-G-A-R-C-I-A-S comics. And it was like the 10 things artists do and uh, what you should and shouldn't do type things. And uh, give that a look on Instagram. It was a great list. I found them all to be true. And uh, what you had said kind of, you know, made me think about that. And number one is you make art for yourself first. So that kind of it taps into the idea that you had an idea for your book, you were already thinking this way, and you found someone that basically confirmed what you were thinking. And I think that falls mm-hmm. in lines with you creating your own art. Like, don't make art for other people, make art for yourself. So if it was something you were already feeling, go that way. And um, I find that I'm leaning more and more into that these days, and I find myself to be happier like creating art. It's like, well, I just want to try this crazy stuff out or, or you, you know, because my first instinct is is usually the one I end up going with, you know, after contemplating. And uh, so, yeah, just just something for everyone to check out. I think it can apply to writers as well, uh, but definitely a art focused thing. And um, yeah, it's just just a pretty amazing list. So made me think of that. Uh, as far as what I did this week, it was kind of. Uh, almost singularly focused. Uh, I was doing commissions all week long or just the steady work for pro wrestling loot. Um, I drew four figures, a couple of pins, four cards. So I was uh, very busy. I was very busy doing that. It's just a, a great side job, you know, for the freelance work that I do for that company. And uh, they always have more stuff for me, which I love. So that filled primarily my entire week except for the last two days so yesterday i was still doing work for that company and halfway i finished and i let them know i'm i'm gonna focus back on my books for a couple of days and i'll hop back on uh, a couple of more of the the projects that he has for me so in those two days i've i was checking out the thumbnails i did uh talked about previous in the previous episode and there's some adjustments that i want to want to make and uh, just kind of streamline things and, uh, uh, you know, whatever, just just some corrections. But I started on another page uh, and and it was it was great. I loved it. I love doing panel work. I love doing interiors. Um, covers are always cool. Single images are always cool. But there's something about storytelling that I, I absolutely love. So uh, that's one thing. If you're going to be making comics, if you're going to be drawing comics, you've got to love doing interiors. It can't just be grunt work. And uh, another thing mm-hmm. on the list is if you want to make money off of art, if that's like your entire goal, there's way easier ways to make money off of art than to draw comics. 
Like this is this isn't it for you if that's what you're looking for. If it's just yeah. just profit. There's a theme over your couple minutes here. It's it's do it because you love it, right? Like if you're not doing this because you love it, get out now, right? Like this, true. Get out before you. This get This is in. not the place. I mean, this is a place to make money, but it's a place to like cover costs and build something, and ideally, you know keep on building to that and maybe someday that that can be a substantial course of income but it's not if you want to make money play the stock market man or you can you, there's other artistic jobs you can do you could try to work for you know any of these animation studios concept studios um there's tons of movie studios i'm sure that need storyboarding like you could do storyboarding as yeah. a job and you would get paid way more than you would in comics yeah. But if it's something yeah, you exactly. just have to do, if you love comics, then yeah, absolutely. And that's me. I love I love drawing comics. Like it's just such a different feeling. Um even doing the Drawtober stuff, like the one image a day for a month. That was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. It was uh very rewarding to finish that book in one month. But there's something about panel work that's just so interesting. Like you, mm -hmm. you get these little moments as opposed to just these big bombastic moments. Um, and that's what Drawtober totally. was. So I, I'll get these little silent moments or just, uh, you know, a look a character gives another or a look of surprise. Like all that stuff is very fun to do. And so I've been doing that for the last two days and it's just, it's such a joy, man. It's, it's a uh, truly rewarding and uh, I'm just faster now too. That's another thing that's, that's pretty exciting for me. Um, doing the Drawtober every day for for that month, I think it helped with my speed because I banged out three panels yesterday uh, on a six panel page. So half of the basically half of that page got finished yesterday, like in just a few hours. I wasn't working on it very long. I think I was working on it for three hours. So this page is moving along really quickly, and uh, I'm hoping that's going to be the trend for the rest of the issue. You know, just just banging this stuff out. And, and getting the reps and getting better and better at the craft page by page makes sense too. You know, it comes back. I think I, I know we've talked about it, but I probably haven't mentioned it on this podcast that um, Dave Sim mentioned this after your 10th page you ever draw in your life. You're going to think that's really good. But when you get to your 50th page, you're going to look at your 10th page and be like, whoa, I sucked. Right. Yeah. And then when you get to your hundredth page, you're going to look back at your 50th page. And you're going to think, whoa, I sucked. Right. And so uh, but it's about just getting out there and continuing to draw yeah. and um, and having passable stuff in the meantime. And what's interesting is the the I've I've I mentioned Dave Sim from this book a lot. I mean, Dave Sim is like kind of the, the god of self-publishing. Right. Um, and then he, he passed the torch on to Jeff Smith, who's mm -hmm. also kind of the, the self-publishing deity, you know, but um but Dave Sim published this book a, a long time ago called The Cerebus Guide to Making Comics, I think it's called. Okay. Um, and it was one of the it was one of those books I had. And of course, um, when you dump off a lot of your collection, you get rid of it. And for comic books you get rid of, you know, 29 out of every 30 of the comic books you get rid of are in fact worthless pieces of crap, right? You're not gonna miss those. <laughs> right. The problem is one out of thirty. It's going to hurt if you ever want it back. And this one hurt. I was shocked at how much I paid to get a goddamn copy of this book. But I had to have it, you know, and I was just like, fuck. How you much? Know? But, uh, but anyway, but, uh, 49, 49. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty penny for a book for sure. And it was a first print. The weird thing is he reprinted it 
and and the reprints are more. Really? Um, I wonder if there's like extended. Yeah, yeah. He because you know, I mean, we're talking about a book here. Here, I, I mean, I could pull it because it's right here to my right. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like a six dollar book back in the day. I mean, it is long and it is prose. It's like 70, 80 pages. When stuff like that happens, it's usually because the second printing is is a way smaller print run. Like I think uh, Young Blood second printing is worth more than Young Blood first printing. Because there was so many sold, like millions of copies of Young Blood one were sold, and I think thousands of copies of Young Blood second printing, number one was sold. So yeah, that that could it makes be sense. why. Three ninety five, cover price is three ninety five on this, and that's what you paid originally for it. Right now, that is what I paid. Ori- I probably paid less because I worked for a distributor. I remember getting it through the through the distributor. Oh wow, it is eighty plus pages, predominantly prose. Okay, and uh, it's really interesting, and I, I I actually am looking forward to reading it. I want to kind of read it for homework for this podcast because I think there's going to be some really interesting stuff in there that's okay. going to ring a lot different to me um, now than it did when I was reading it in 1997, which is when it was published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going back to you saying, you know, your tenth page you might like it. When you get to fifty, you may not like it anymore, etc. I was looking back at issue eight of the second shift and I'm working on issue 10 and I was looking at some of the stuff in there and I don't even like that anymore. I was like, man, I was, I thought I did pretty good on this. And, um, there's some pages in there. It's like, I, I wish I had, you know, that time back and I would adjust this and that. Um, but you can't do that. You need to just keep moving forward. No, you know, you can do a remastered edition down, down the line, but the most important thing is the issue in front of you. You know, it's, a uh, me and my buddy, yeah. buddy Tristan from the Accidental Aliens, uh, we always say, you know, not not perfect, but finished, you know, and that's that's the mantra yep. we kind yep. of go off of. It's like, yeah, we could we could do better. We could sit here and uh, redo this panel over and over and over again, but then we would never get the issue out. You know, the whole the whole point is getting the story out to people and do better next time. OK, I see the, the yeah, thing totally. I did wrong, but the panel's already done. It's already colored. It's already lettered. Uh, I'll do it in the next issue. I will not make the same mistake. So that way, every issue you do is is better than the last. And so, yeah, I, I saw that in my own work, and it's it's kind of interesting because that that is basically what has happened. I'll look at stuff from issue one, which when I do the remastered hardcover of Second Shift, I will be redrawing some of those pages and panels, and, and I look at those and I just cringe. And like I know at shows, I'm just I'm just like when I sell that trade paperback, I just want to prep them and say, Hey, look, just so you know, the first five pages, I was just getting back into comics from taking a 10 year hiatus. And, you know, it's like, I want to tell them, but it's like, no, you don't do that. You don't tell them no matter, no matter what issues you have with your own work. Uh, it's very important, especially when you're, you're selling your book and you're on your online presence. Don't disparage your own work, you know, don't put yourself down. And, and I know a lot of artists specifically, I don't know how writers are, but I know a lot of artists have problems with their own work. They're very hard on themselves. Like their artists yeah. are usually their own worst critic. So, you know, you may yeah. feel that way. It's never tell a fan, a potential buyer, you know, your own issues with the book. Just don't do it because they're yeah. going to hesitate on purchasing that book. And the whole point is to get your stories out and create fans and, and fans to come back to see your better work. The, the, the next issue, the stuff that you've corrected in the previous issue, which they might not even have seen, you know, and this, this goes back to our conversation the other week where 
how much of what we see is the artist changing, you know, a different completely artist or, you know, like, do they notice? Do they notice at all? Um, if not, like, have we drawn attention to it? So yeah, if you have issues with your own work and you think you've improved, don't, don't bring it to their attention and, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably never be the wiser. So, but yeah, man, improving, improving every single page. I got, I got two things um, on that mm -hmm. one. Um, back in back in the Big Pimp Jones days when we were playing out, there was a guitarist. Um, Greg, if you're listening, it's you, but but he knows it's him, man. Um, <laughs> he he had habits sometimes of making a mistake and then going like fuck or doing something like that into the microphone, right? Or like making an obvious motion that he would mess up. And and it would be like, Greg, they don't know you messed up. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. There's probably one musician in the audience that's like, guitar's just fucked up. But like, you're not, again, it goes back to what we talked about before. You're not making music for those people, man. It's it's okay. It's live. You're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to embrace the mistakes. It's live. And it adds, to, if anything, it adds to the experience too, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, again, if I, I, I don't, I don't, in the opportunity I ever get to go to a concert again, I don't go to a concert for you to sit there and play things exactly as they are on the record. You yeah. know, the the live in-person variance is what I'm looking for, not just to hear it, you know, played live through a stage, um, through, amp, you know, walls of amplifiers in my case, because I love death metal, right? But also just, <laughs> just to get the live experience of it and get something different from it, you know? So that's thing number one. Um, and then thing number two is, you know, to to the point of what you were saying, my my angle on that is something I picked up from. Um, you know, I was lucky enough for one of my UCLA classes to have a, I think he was a Booker Prize winner. Um, his name's Charles Johnson, and he wrote a book in the night. I think it came out in the '90s, and it won the prize. It's called Middle Passage. Um, for those of you out there that want to read like excellent literary fiction go read that middle passage is awesome but again it's literary so it's it's you know it, it's a little a uh, little little more of a chewy steak as opposed to an easy to digest burger but um he had a great line and he's put it in some some books of his on craft and he says every novel you write is a performance and the intent is for you to perform to the best of your abilities at the time. If you're lucky enough to progress and write additional novels, your abilities are going to be better. So your job is to ratchet up the difficulty and strength of your performance to your enhanced abilities. But what you shouldn't do, and, and maybe this is him and maybe this is me paraphrasing, is kind of going back and looking on back on those previous novels and thinking that wasn't your best performance. No, it actually was. It was the best you could perform at the time. And Very it's true. something you should be proud of. You know, like as as long as you are pushing yourself and delivering the best possible work you can, while also, you know, making a contract with yourself to get better, then be proud of that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I can say that, look, if I started over and tried to write Kadoja, it would be a different book. But I'm pleased with the book that's there. It's it's the best I could do at the time, and I'm still proud of it. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that, that's my two cents. On I that. feel like I feel the same uh, with with the second shift, the first volume. You know, like I had said right there, uh, I was I took a ten year hiatus from drawing. You know, I pursued pro wrestling for ten years, and I came back. You know, and I was like, hey man, if I'm if I'm gonna do this. You know, it was something I was prepping my entire life for was was making comics. It's I'm going to get it done. I'm going to make books now. So I just hopped right in. So if you do, you know, the audience out there, if you ever pick up the second shift volume one, 
the first uh, few pages, it's like, that's literally me coming back from taking a 10-year break from drawing. So, you know, I am proud of those pages for, for that time, like you said. And I am proud of the book. Like, I think it's a great story. I love that story so much. There are some panels I'm going to tweak, especially those first five. Um, but, hey, that's what the first volume is for. You know, it's like I was talking to my colorist about this. And he goes, you know, just just my opinion, I don't think you should change the pages. He was like the first, you know, every single one of these issues, it's our story. It's us being beginning colorists and artists and writers and growing together to what we are now. And I said, I 100% agree with that. However, that's what the trade paperbacks are for. Like, if you want to watch us grow, pick up the trade paperbacks. Like, I want to do a, you know, a polished uh, a version of the story. So both of the stories will exist. And I love, you know, I love what we created and we did. Um, but it doesn't mean there can't be alternate versions, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny cause I have this dream in the future, you know, Kadoja is going to go four arcs max. Um, and depending on how things go, I may have to take a break between the third and the fourth, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, but Kadoja ain't going this this run of Kadoja is not going more than four volumes mm -hmm. and then after that there is going to be the Kadoja omnibus right and it's going to be a beast and I cannot wait oh yeah but when you think when I think about the variance of page of like artistic styles that are going to be in that thing you could argue that it's going to be a mess but I don't care you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'll write the forward, but I'm going to write something in there. And I imagine I might write the afterward. Right. And it's just going to be like, look, this is a result of like, you know, what, 10 years of my life. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And, and you can see all the artists and, you know, you could you could curse it for not being uniform. But but I'm not a comics company, man. You know, yeah. like this is this is a labor of love and something that happens over all that time. And it just has to be enjoyed for the the disparate jigsaw puzzle that it's going to end up being, you know, in all its glory. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited for mine as well. I, I'm like thinking of different ways of putting it together. Like, for instance, taking the covers out uh, between the issues, taking the covers out and having it just be a continuous story. And then in the back, so like the first, the hardcover will be 10 vol or ten issues, uh, maybe the 11th issue, since it was the Drawtober thing, and it kind of, it bookends because uh, 1 through 5 is LaGrange character, the villain, and uh, the Drawtober issue is the return of him. So it'd be a nice bookend for that volume. And I'm just thinking mm -hmm. about all of the covers and collecting them in the back because I love seeing a cover gallery. Like, I'm huge on it. Mm -hmm. So every cover that I've ever had for those first uh, 10 to 11 issues, you know, all the variants, and then the pinup gallery. So the first five issues, maybe I even continued it with all of the issues that I'm thinking about it. I've always had an artist do a pinup in the book. So I'll actually have a pinup gallery as well. So that's the stuff I'm geeking out on. Like, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't wait to do that. You know, just kind of trying to think of different ways to do it. Make it different than other hardcover books. You know, other things that mm -hmm. people could look forward to. Um, yeah. Oh, and then going back to your first point about about the bands and seeing bands in live and concert and playing exactly like the album. I'm with you, man, because I've seen not an overabundance of, of concerts in person, like maybe 15 or something like that, 10 to 15. And I watched Incubus live and they played exactly like the album. And it was the most boring concert I had ever been to. 
And I was just like, when is this done? It was, I was just ready to go because I was like, I have this album. Yeah. I can listen to this in my car. Like, we yeah. don't have to be here for this. Which, okay, so we're we're about to riff and and we're going to save questions for next week cuz i i want to riff a little bit here um and we're already we're already doing pretty sweet on the on the time um which which incubus record was that 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 you went to see them tour uh, uh the 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 hit the main album the first album the one with their crappy pop song yeah i got you yeah I, got you. Uh, I think that song sucks well it's it's the album it. that had like four hits on it so whatever yeah, album that yeah. is yeah and 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 it's time for me to be one of those holier than. Speaking of holier than thou, I'm a beat. I'm about to be a holier than thou asshole. Um, they did a record before that. I think it was one before called Science, where every it's like capitalized like an acronym. And okay. that was when I first really liked Incubus. And um, I don't know if people like Incubus out there, and you don't know about the record Science. I highly recommend that man. It's got a it's got a cool like. I mean, they were still melodic and they did all that stuff, but they were just a little weirder. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of like how the Red Hot Chili Peppers were sort of delightfully weird. Right up until Under the Bridge was a hit. Yeah. And then 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 songs seem to become an excursion in trying to recreate Under the Bridge, right? And um I feel like they sort of lost their edge, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I, I sort of feel like Incubus lost their edge lost their edge in in between those two records. But you know, what do I know, right? They can probably they can and, probably send their ninja assassins out to kill me tomorrow because <laughs> with the money that they make just from the royalties on that one song. Right? Oh, yeah. And the album is Make Yourself, 1997. But oh. that's that's a bummer, man. That's a bummer that they just replayed everything. Yeah, it was um, so low energy, I actually, too. So, I was just so bored. Like, there's... You, yeah. can, you can play it exactly... Like, look, you have to do one of the two things. If not, I prefer both things. But if you play it exactly like you do on the album, at least be entertaining like be do something yeah. with your body run around the straight stage have some high energy yep something no man they were just playing they were just playing the music they were just yep. it was like are you guys like are you guys in a i don't know like a recording session like what is this this is boring as shit yeah. so yeah i hear you and and so i i have two kind of uh comparisons there my my direct comp of incubus there is marilyn manson who i've seen live a bunch and um and it's it's weird because there's something and, and I haven't seen Marilyn Manson in like 15 years right but uh, but I, I went on a three or four kind of tour run there um, with, with when they were at their peak and um, and they were they were sort of interesting but sort of a bummer right so what was interesting was the theatrics behind everything right that there were cool like stage designs and then of course he's a pretty commanding stage presence I think he himself's like six foot five and you know just just delights in the strange mm-hmm. right but um but the problem is like incubus the songs were exactly note for note played perfectly to the album which is boring mm-hmm. um and also he engaged in so little conversation with the audience in between that it just fell flat yeah and it was like such a bummer you yeah, know what i mean like i've i've look when i was into Marilyn manson man like i was he was on like back before bill maher became an idiot um he had that show politically correct right incorrect um, but uh but yeah that was that was an interesting show back in the day and um and so marilyn manson was on that i mean he marilyn manson is like the hero of this film bowling for columbine you know like he was a pretty smart dude and mm-hmm. um that's what yeah that's to what have that not translate into a live set it was like come on man like you you can talk you can say things you know why aren't you doing that um 
But then the then a kind of uh, interesting version of what who I thought of when you said if you're going to just run through your songs like normal, um, at least be engaging. And to me, that is Kiss to a T, right? Like Kiss plays their songs pretty much note for note, but they engage the crowd. They kind of invented in in many ways, like the big crazy theatrics, you know, and the and the bigger than you stage set and all that stuff. So I mean, to your point, yeah, they're playing songs note for note off the record, but at least they're like highly engaging in between songs and all that while they're doing right. it. Yeah, and I think where you and I separate a bit, and I think this is where you you like okay. So this is this is a perfect analogy, music and comics, like for both of our personalities. So you prefer the albums before they make it. You love the indie. You love that rough, yeah. that roughness, uh, them trying to find their way. And then I love when people find their way. So like usually the album yeah. where they blow up is the album I dig. I'm like, oh, they're fully formed. Like you enjoy the journey. Like and it, <laughs> yeah. it, this pertains to a lot of things. Uh, also basketball. Like you love the scrappy up and comers. You love oh to God, see... Yeah. So yeah. this this is you. That's who you are. You love. Uh, yeah, may you, I interest you in the Sacramento Kings? <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Who have been up uh, and coming for twelve years, by the way. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the Hornets are going to surpass the Kings. Um, they're already looking Dude. Uh, way better. Well, hold on. Let's can let, I, let no, can no, I tell no, you no, 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 no. Because <laughs> you're going to de- derail me from what I'm trying to say here. So um, say say your thing, and then I'm going to come back to this because I okay. just think it's hilarious. All right. Yes. Go. So okay. So. Yeah, so for me, comics, it's like, okay, Under the Bridge, that's Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That's my favorite Chili Peppers album. I know you love the funkier stuff before that. And then when it comes to the Kadoja volume, you're like, yeah, this is what it is. Look at all these different artists. This is the journey. This is what, you know, this is what uh, I've done for 10 years, and you get to see it happen. And, And that's rad. Whereas I'm like, I need to refine this. It needs to be uniform. It needs to be polished. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of picture perfect analogy for personalities. No, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I mean, one, one small thing, I'm not that way about everything. So blood sugar, sex magic is my favorite chili peppers record as well. Oh, nice. I'm really more referring to what happened after, you know what I mean? Where like, like California again, every record after, you know, there are good, I mean, dude, I, I still like some of the chili pepper songs, but that's my point. I like some of the chili pepper songs and yeah. it does feel like to me, they lost their edge and that every record kind of had that one under the bridge type song and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's funny, right? Cause we just had that where you were kind of on the, I would, I was mentioning, I was kind of like the voice against the holier than thou thing. And now I'm totally being the holier than thou asshole. Right. You know, but, but that's you know, okay. I'll, because, I'll because the star Wars reference of the day, only the Sith deal in absolutes keep <laughs> shit, man. I'm going to have to drink, but I'm out of drink. And and you made the first Star Wars reference. So yeah, well yeah. Done. We're changing well it up. Done. We're changing up. I'm on my second. Drink. I somehow avoided Metallica in all of that band stuff. I'm really proud of myself. Right on, man. Yeah. Good you growth yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm i know just just leaps and all right down. sweet okay so where can they find you online so social media you can find me on instagram at keith underscore decibel that is just me sharing stuff and then kadoja also has a presence on instagram at kadoja kaiju that is all one word and you can find me on twitter and instagram at scott lost s-e-o-t-t-l-o-s-t and facebook.com forward slash scott lost 
Yeah, and in terms of websites, uh, I have the website KeithRFoster.com. You can check out some articles. I try to put something up about once every two weeks. Um, I've just created, I think, a, a couple things in terms of the store, and I will be continuing to add some things as well, including the projects I work on. So that's easy, KeithRFoster.com. And you could find my comics, The Second Shift, A Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day, and Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Humans versus Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs, at AccidentalAliens.com as well as other accidental alien titles. Also, you can check out my YouTube, uh, where I mainly review comics that I'm reading, my comic book collection, and so on, uh, on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash FNRage. Um, and you can also send us questions to makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions about making comics yourself, stuff we've talked about, stuff we haven't talked about, maybe touched on a little bit, uh, let us know. We will read those quote-unquote on the air and let you know uh, to the best of our ability. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sweet. Okay, so I, I let this slide before. I think you were, you were asking for me to throw this lob down a couple weeks ago. and rage. That's f- fucking rage? Like fucking rage, dude? Is that what it was intended to be? Yes. and rage. I created, okay. I created that YouTube handle when I was in my 20s, late 20s. Yeah, and I was just partying hard, and so for whatever, mm. uh, and like so, I'd always tell my best friend, I was like, "Let's go fucking rage tonight," you know. So that was became my thing, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so FN rage, and unfortunately, yeah, you were unable to change that once you set it on YouTube. <laughs> oh god! So the remnants you. of my twenties will forever be online, which is okay. It's fine. So this will make a fun little Dude, story. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, but me too. I have an email and it's freaking KRO Funk. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's a 20s thing because at the time my rap name was KRO and we made Funk and I thought it was clever. And it's like, I, I'm stuck with it now. You know what I mean? It, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm pot committed after 20 years of getting emails there. You yeah. Know? I, I may tear it down at some point, but. I mean, it's twenty years. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's it's so it's so tough. Like I still you use Yahoo. So Scott lost at Yahoo is my main email address. But I'm trying to go over to scottlost25 at gmail.com and using that as my my main email. It, it just sucks. I'm used to it now, like having the twenty five in there because it's like it's like my sports yeah. number. And also, funny enough, when I had the logo created for the second shift. The so the logo is two uh, N D, and uh, shift, but the S is a backwards two, a reverse two, so it looks like a five. So it kind of works mm-hmm. out where it's Scott lost twenty five, and it looks like the second shift, uh, you know, numbers there. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that kind of worked out. Nice. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to move everything right. over there, but it's it's tough. It's tough. Rock and roll. All right, right, man. Well, until next week. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Making Comics, and we'll see you on the next one. Yay, yay. (laughs) I was going to say it. I was like, I always say it, and then you said it. So that was great.
I wanted to I wanted to riff about a couple stupid things. We'll probably put this on at the end. But uh, have you ever just been disproportionately excited about stupid shit? I have two stupid shit things that I've just I am disproportionately excited about. Thing number one is that uh, you, you know there's a there's the difference between the thing that sort of prompts it and then the, the fact that you realize what prompted it is not going to be kind of what drives it going forward, right? So what prompted it is that um, I'm going to be moving our, the lease in our house is, is over in a few months. I'm sure we can try to go month to month, but we're going to try to do the whole buy a house, um, you know, do all that stuff. And um, anybody who collects comics knows comics be heavy, right? And, uh, and because I'm an old man, I am, I have had it with long boxes. I have just had it with them. Right. So I am in the process. I just ordered a bunch of short boxes um, and I am going to move all of my I mean, it's not much of a collection because, you know, I mean, I used to have an enormous collection that I moved, whittled it down and now it's kind of growing again. Um, but, you know, it's only like three, three and a half long boxes worth. So I'm just going to load that into short boxes because, A, it's way easier to carry when it's ever going to be time to move. Right. But B. Again, like I, I think in your case, you kind of have like a filing cabinet for your comics. Right? I have an insane collection. <laughs> it's like a, a four a four by four. Uh, those IKEA shelvings were like their boxes. That's right, like Kalats or uh, whatever they used to be called. The, yeah, the, the, the twelve by twelves, yeah, basically. Exactly. That's what, that's what I have. Yeah, yeah. So I have a a four by four full of those with drawers, and then a four by two yeah. uh, full of drawers, and then three short boxes no five short box nope six short boxes. okay <laughs> I, should, I should i should wait wait and then it'll just keep growing like oh i got another short yeah. box to honestly i do i do have i do have like legitimately i have one more short box worth of shit i just need to buy another short box and that's exciting well i just bought like 10 short boxes and some and most of them are going to be for comics and some are going to be for books because i'm just most of my expenditures these days that aren't essentials and eating Mm -hmm. are comic books and uh and books you you know what's funny is i find that i find that to be happening with me too like i have no desire to buy figures or toys or knickknacks or anything like that yeah but my book and comic book collection is growing exponentially like as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think we've talked about this too that that you know, in my case, right? There are things that I do now that you know, that I do in my free time that are even further enabling this, right? Like A, we're doing this podcast, right, which is making me want to read comics more. B, you know, the the easiest avenue I have on iHorror.com to get some articles up is on the comic side, right? Because the book side is pretty well represented mm-hmm. and, um, you know, well covered, well covered by other contributors. So, um, so I'm cranking through comics and, you know, it's just I, I found comics I like again, which is great, which we talked about last week. Um, and then with books, I just, yeah, continue to like gobble up books, right? But anyway, I'm super excited because I think most likely after we record this, I'm going to go ahead and move all of the the long box comics into short boxes and the 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 best thing is not you know it's not just for moving i go in and out of those boxes a lot you get your comics you read the comics and then you file them right and then when you file them you know in my case i'm walking down i'm I'm pulling out the long box you know it's it's a it's a heavy monster on the bottom shelf and i gotta reach for it and kind of you know 
contortion my way around to get it and it's like it's just a pain in the ass so um so I'm, I'm really happy to be moving that to the short box which is you know half maybe half the comics maybe a few more but so much more easy to lift oh so yeah for sure that's uh that's organization thing number one and then the other thing which <laughs> you're gonna think it's because of you and it, it's possible it's related but uh my mouse is a piece of crap and uh and actually while i was editing that that stone cold nightmare last week <laughs> um <laughs> The, the the problem was my mouse is picking a hell of a time to go wonky on me, right? And um and like any like any good IT person, I decided to solve the problem by swearing and throwing it. And believe it or not, that actually made it worse. Um, I know that's that's hard to believe, but uh, it was a piece of crap anyway. And then I just piece of crapped it more. And uh, so I actually splurged and bought a mouse. This is the first time I am not kidding. I have ever actually bought a mouse that was not the standard mouse that comes with like computers and stuff. Like oh, that. right on. What'd you get? Wireless? Uh, one of yeah. those ergonomic ones? I got, a, I got, so dude, you just nailed it. I got a wireless ergonomic trackball mouse. Oh, right on. Right. Which is, um, which is killer. And I actually, I think I ended up doing just a touch of, I, I, I did some demo editing and I'm like, Ooh, this is so much better. Do you, is it the one that, uh, that's like kind of like sideways? Like it almost feels yeah, like you're well, holding it's, it it's sideways. It's got a trackball on the thumb. Right. No, no, no. You're, you're holding your your hand sits normal, but your thumb actually does all of the operating. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's, and it, and it doesn't physically move. The hand just stays in the same place. But uh, man, it's it's way better. And the nice thing is, like, all you really have to do is kind of master a steady thumb, because you know I'm doing a lot of like dragon dragon edit audio and things like that. And it's not just for the podcast; it's for music. It's for all kinds of things, right? And uh, yeah, man, it's just oh, it's way easier to use. I love it. Oh, love it's it. awesome. My sister has one that it feels. Like your hand sits, um, uh, like the side of your hand sits on the the table essentially, and it, it's just kind of like more of a natural position, I guess, like the way you would hold a pencil. Mm. And uh, so yeah, the mouse is kind of sideways. And the first time I used it, I was like, "Hey, what the hell is this? What? How am I supposed to use this?" And she had to, she like, just turn your hand. And uh, once I did that, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is just completely different. Yeah. Like it feels foreign." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was interesting enough. Well, yeah, those are, those are super fun things to be excited about. I get that. The short box thing, especially. Yeah. Did you order them online and they came yeah. in or did you just go into the shop? Yeah. Yep. No, I ordered them um, from Bags Unlimited, who I've just been getting like a lot of my stuff from there. They tend to be like a big superstore. Oh, okay. Um, they came so in yeah, already. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, I mean, I am going to offer up my my three long boxes to my local comic shop the next time I go, and I'll probably just text them and see, hey, do you want these? I'm I'm tossing them, you know. Um, so yeah, man, it's all good. What are you drinking? Um, I okay, so it's White Claw adjacent. So it's essentially, uh, it is White Claw. Is it truly? No, it's Kirkland Signature Hard Seltzer. That is so ghetto. Yeah, man. You can't even you can't even spring for brand name White Claw. So. Costco is just, it's the best. Like, they just have knockoff everything, and it's the Kirkland brand. And it's essentially the same thing as a White Claw. It tastes exactly like a White Claw to me. has the same alcohol percentage, calorie count, everything. The only difference is nice. uh, the brand name, and which I don't give a shit about. Yeah. I don't care about brand names. And It probably is White Claw. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, it caught, I got double the amount for the same price. Ooh, yes. So nice. uh, a white nice. claw twelve pack at Target cost you seventeen ninety nine, and this cost me seventeen ninety nine for a twenty four pack. Hell yeah, man! That is that is balling on a budget right there. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's how I live my life. Just uh, you know, cutting those 
cutting those corners where you can. Yeah, I hear you. I was over at my in-laws a, a little while ago. Of course, socially distanced and safe. But uh, they got uh, the, it was like the Kirkland brand of Coke Zero, right? And uh, wow. I thought it was delicious. I was like, this is great. <laughs> it was tasty. I Is it weird that I thought it was better than Coke Zero? It probably is Coke Zero. But uh, but yeah, man, it was super cheap. Interesting. I, I think I happened to look it up somewhere. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to have to, so. I might have to talk to my sister and get a pack of that, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you like Coke Zero, I, mean, I do. I we love are Coke just, Zero. We are. We are. This is this is how comic creators live right here. This is the lavish <laughs> lifestyle that you should expect when you sign up for for doing comics. That's right. It's it's, it's this. It's this. I'm actually drinking um, something called Agavamente. It is a beer from a San Diego brewery. I think they're called socal norte maybe something like that okay um, i am unfamiliar with them it's pretty cool it's it, it's an agave uh uh lager and it's uh it, it punches a little harder it kind of comes and it's got hibiscus in it it comes out like a little red a lot red actually mm-hmm. but it's uh it's 6.3 which oh, is wow. pretty good okay yeah um yeah right now my my refrigerator is only like punchless lagers it's either punchless lagers or it's it's like kick your ass barrel aged stouts right and it's like i either have shit that's four percent alcohol or or 16 and i just i need something in the middle for this man i, I don't want to get shit faced you know what i mean yeah i hear you some days i feel like that though i'm like man i i, I wouldn't mind something a little stronger um i mean this is pretty good though this is uh uh what is it five yeah five for a white claw knockoff so yeah five can hit yeah, yeah exactly yeah i'll exactly. probably go for right, two we should, we should, i'll try not to be all slushy yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh needing you to edit everything <laughs> this episode so try to meet you in the middle that's there. fine that's fine all right that was one, uh, once in a lifetime thing yeah i think so i think i don't know what happened my mouth wasn't working at all i was just i don't know what was happening well, it was just it was a couple mistakes i mean the you know, you 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 talked without your with your mic muted for like ten minutes and stuff like that. So well, that like, and the it just like not being able to pitch a book. You know, I was just like, what am I saying? <laughs> what are these yeah, words? If I'd have done, if you'd have done that at a show, people just would have like walked away. They like, they would have just walked away. I would have told like, them, you know what? Just don't worry about it. <laughs> just, just walk away. Just, yeah. just <laughs> go go buy a Funko Pop instead. Have fun. Okay? Take care. Yeah. <laughs> so. Take it easy. <laughs> um, is it your turn or my turn? It is your turn. This is this is episode nine. All right. Okay. Let's do that um, impregnated pause. Uh, unwarranted pregnate. Okay. Ooh. 